welcome to Live Conversation on Alatra TV. My name is Olga. My co-host today is Tali. Hi, Tali. Welcome. And today we have a wonderful guest joining us, Michael Choli, who is a Chief Innovation Officer, Thought Incorporated. And today we will talk about the Project Creative Society. Michael will share with us some practical examples of what we can do in order to implement this project globally. And we will also learn a little bit more about him. So Michael, hi, welcome. We're happy to have you here with us today. Could you just please, please share a little bit more about yourself and what is it that you do? Sure, hello Olga and Tally. And it is my pleasure, my honor to be here with you today. Um, Certainly, I, I can share a little bit of my, my background. Um, I'm uh, an engineer by way of education and uh, earned two engineering degrees and a master's degree in management of technology and spent uh, about 35 years in the automotive industry uh, in Detroit, Michigan, around Detroit. And um, traveled the world, had an opportunity to really spend a lot of time in many countries around the world, um, with families from around the world. And I'm always considering myself a student of life. And so my career was uh, a great way to allow me to understand a little bit more on a person-to-person on a -person level, um, some perspectives. I think that I'm, I'm, I've been afforded uh, above and beyond many folks in America. Um, and so uh, currently I'm working in a company called Thought Incorporated, and we are involved with product development of multiple products, consumer type products. Um, and I lead those projects and um, bring new products that help, that help, uh, I'm so sorry about this. Turn I like that tune, though. Yeah, yeah, Steely Dan. So um, the uh, so we bring products into um, the consumer market, and our basis just to just to align this, the mission and uh, vision of our company is to bring products into people's homes that better their lives. So. Thank you so much. It's very interesting, actually, that you're talking about perspectives and you're involved in the production that actually is supposed to make people's life better, right? Because that's what the products should be about. But also, since we talk about prospects of the society in general, what got you interested in Creative Society Project and how do you see the prospects of our society? Mm -hmm. Yes, very, very good questions. And uh, they're very close to me. And I I take this very um, close to my heart, this subject. Um, I don't feel that it's insurmountable. I don't believe that um, there, is, there is no changing um, where things are headed. And I believe that with the right motives behind an effort to bring a better world about of the seven and a half billion people that are on the planet. Um, I really believe it's possible. And um, the way I got involved or aware, became aware of 
this uh, Creative Society project is in the first 15 minutes of a conversation with uh, a very helpful person um, that I met at random, uh, this topic actually came out and uh, became part of our little discussion within the first few moments that we uh, uh, were, were discussing things. And so it's top of mind for me in a lot of ways, it's real. And um, so, th so that's how I, I became initially aware. And then I did some due diligence and looked into the project. Um, one of the benefits of technology today is there is with the proper uh, filters, meaning psychological and, and thought filters, not, not, uh, not algorithm filters. I think that, of course, now more than ever, um, information is just so accessible and the ability to coalesce um, the 99 and a half percent of us um, is instantaneous and global. And so I did some research and emailed back and forth with Olga and um, vetted this out for lack of a better term and came to believe that this is um, not just a, an effort that is, uh, has the right motives, but I believe an approach that can bring about a positive it sounds so cliche, but a really a positive sweeping uh, change to the world that I believe uh, it, one of the things that I believe is that if, if you take a personal survey from a small select group of, of people uh, around the world, doesn't matter what countries, um, I mean, just the, the biggest countries first, uh, as far as population, you know, uh, China, India, United States, and then Indonesia is the fourth, believe it or not, and, and so on, and then hit the European Union. It, regardless of background, regardless of geographical location, I'm absolutely convinced if you ask people what was important to them, it would come down to the same answers. You know, what's good for our children, education, health, it would be the same answer. And the irony and the contradiction in our world is that while these values and desires for our future are so similar, our world is still country by country believing that they are at odds with each other for reasons that probably don't support those desires of the populations. Um, and I really believe that um, with the right approach and utilizing the capability of technology today to, like I say, coalesce and align um, the 7.3999 billion 
of the population, um, those values and desires for the future can be brought to the way the world is organized and moves forward. I want to avoid saying, lead, you know, being led or um, governed, um, but to have truly one um, consistent global uh, driven society. So that's it in a nutshell. Yes, yes. And what you said right now is uh, so true. We did uh, for the past nine years, volunteers of Alatra International Public Movement took surveys and interviews with millions of people worldwide. And uh, what we saw was that all the answers, just as you mentioned right now, they were all the same. People all over said that they want to live in a society that is safe, where their children can grow up in harmony, where they don't see wars or conflict, where they have, they live a decent life, good, of course, education, healthcare. Um, but we see a different world today when we look outside of the window. And that's when we started thinking, why is it? Why is it that we want one thing, but we do another thing, and uh, we can see it today. And in your opinion, why do you think that is? Why is it that we want something? We want a good life for ourselves, for our kids, but the reality is different. Okay. And um, so I've done a lot of research and soul searching on exactly that question. My conclusion is that though it comes across to those who maybe haven't looked into this deeply as this conspiracy type theory, um, my conclusion is that, um, like it or not, the forces that govern our world um, are driven by a small group of individuals, small groups of individuals, and their motives are self-serving. And um, if we look at an organization like an organism, you know, which is what I've, I've taught in, in my career a lot, an organization is really like a, a person an organization has um, motives and, and basic values. Um, and the same goes for a large, large pervasive organization, like a country, for example. And so I believe that the motives um, of a person have become aligned with the good if those motives don't include two things fear and selfishness and it's that simple all behaviors for an individual that are negative behaviors i have found are rooted in one of those two things fear or selfishness uh, dishonesty envy anger resentment all these negative behaviors are rooted in one of those two things self-serving egotism and um, and having spent some time in large companies, 
um, built multi-billion dollar companies, I have seen that the motives and behaviors of the leaders cascade themselves throughout the organization almost irrevocably. Um, and the Germans, when I worked in Germany with some folks, they had a great phrase to describe this. It was so simple. It said, a fish stinks from its head. And, uh, and it's so true. So I believe that um, this, these small groups of, uh, for lack of a better term, the ruling class, the Illuminati, call it what you want, um, driven by largely financial um, goals, especially in the United States with the, um, you know, the private organization that so many people think is public, the Federal Reserve Bank, and what's going on there now, especially with this um, increase in debt and creating money. I, I don't see, um, so A, that's what I think is driving this disparate um, condition in the world between countries. And um, the, the concept that GDP and growth of a country somehow is mutually exclusive from a, a worldwide beneficial situation. Um, and B, I do feel that, um, that the concentration of wealth is, I not feel, I don't feel, based on data that I have seen and believe to be true, the concentration of wealth in the world is alarming. And um, I'm not alone in this belief when understanding that concentration of wealth, that is 99.9% of the wealth is owned by 0.1% of the world's population now. Um, and that, that's believable. 1% uh, you know, of a billion is 10 million. There's 7 billion people, let's say, and that's 70 million people, you know, 1% uh, point, 7 million people um, own 99.9% .9 of the world's wealth. It's, it's believable, it's conceivable in terms of uh, real numbers. And um, so I believe that um, this concentration of wealth and where we are with how technology has made it possible to acquire immense wealth without employing people. Um, look at Apple, look at Amazon, and if you look at the gross revenues per per, you know, divided by the number of people uh, in the entire company versus, let's say, a, an automotive car maker um, back in the '60s, um, who would employ General Motors, for example, employed two million people. Apple employs twenty thousand now in the U.S. And their revenues aren't that different, $100 billion a year. So it's, um, 
multiple orders of magnitude, multiple numbers of zeros different. And um, this is going, what I'm driving at is the direction and the pace and the acceleration and what we can expect. And um, though I know every generation um, believes it is uh, the, do the doomsday times and goodness knows in our history, we've had good reasons to believe so in the 60s with the atomic uh, crisis and the atomic countdown clock and the doomsday clock. Yes, yes, yes. It's not that those times didn't have their uh, specific problems, but I, what this is all driving to is, yes, I do believe that um, this will not sustain life for 7 billion people. And um, there will be a change, a, a change that is necessary in the way income is distributed, whether it's through universal basic income, other means, um, and that can happen in a planned and uh, purposeful way, or that can happen through uh, the failure to plan and act like the creative society is trying to do, or it can happen through terrible, uh, disruption of societies and rebellion and revolution and starvation and so mm -hmm. forth so absolutely I agree with you but uh what's beautiful about the creative society that it's a peaceful way and it's within the constitution so we we can only change make this change make this change from the consumerist format we live in today where it's all about me 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 it's all about my problems only to the world where people actually help each other see each other as friends and as you said not concentrated about the gdp of one country but about the well-being of all people on the earth as a society and this can only be done peaceful through the technologies that we use today. And right now you did a very good job describing what's wrong with today's world. We all can see that, but uh, we also should concentrate on the solution, right? Because we have so many people, good people with good hearts fighting uh, bad things, but lifetime won't be enough to fight each one of them. Um, what Creative Society Project is about is about putting all our efforts, all our attention into the solution, not into the problem, and actually building it. So right now, I would ask you to describe the world in which you would be satisfied, in which all people live in safety, in stable and prosperous life. What do you think are the most important components to that world? And maybe based on your vision, you could describe us uh how do you envision this society okay excellent question and um and between olga and yourself i encourage you if i make comments that uh you could illuminate like you just did tally with um uh confirming statements about the creative society please stop me and, and make those comments to bring about uh, those elements and dimensions of the creative society that are, are relevant to the discussion. Please do. 
I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> um, well, no, the, actually, the statement about the universal basic income is very important because right now we're on the stage where like just in about 10 years, we're going to have all the Uber drivers, for example, losing their job because of autonomous driving cars. So what we're going to do with the, uh, like the whole tens of millions of people who lose their job. Uh, if it's a creative society and they provide it with a universal income, it's beautiful. We have people with a lot of free time to educate themselves and contribute to the world. But in today's world, it's a catastrophe. We're going to have a lot of homeless people who cannot uh, sustain themselves. Uh, but please uh, go ahead. Yes. I would really love to hear more of your vision about the uh, what else should be targeted, right? Why, uh, why free education, free medicine uh, should not just be free, but should be covered. Every person should feel safe, covered, and then have have potential to uh, to actually contribute to society. That's that's the perfect segue. That last comment. Okay, so it's it's always clear what we want to receive and how we want to. Um, be able to live and our children to live. The, I think what's unclear and maybe unfortunately unimaginable for let's call it the powers that be is how can we not just redistribute wealth, there's this idea of redistribution of wealth, but what I term and others, the redistribution of human value of how each person could be optimized for their own, say, God-given talents, their skills, their interests, and how their time on this earth can be um, focused in what they do and bring into the world to distribute maximum value from every person so that they are not only living in a world that they enjoy the benefits of, but bring value to. And so I think that's the most significant challenge. Um, and I'm encouraged to hear that experiments with universal basic income that have taken place in Australia, Canada, Denmark, uh, they are the results in those countries, in those cultures, uh, and I stress that for a reason, is that when people received this additional or only income, you know, they didn't just, anyway, when they received their, their steady state income, um, the majority of people responded creatively and um, actually started initiatives and businesses and, um, and did not did not get sedentary, did not sit back and just spend the money. And so I found that very encouraging. And so so that's the first point is this redistribution of human value. And um, for for a perfect example that I believe is hard to conceive. But if, if we look at the world's militaries right now, the hundreds of millions of people, much less the ships and planes and all the infrastructure and ability to communicate and coordinate. Um, if, for example, 
all of China's and the United States and Russia's and Japan's, the big militaries, if all their navies would just incorporate a humanistic cooperative element like bringing bananas from South America to uh, the Middle East and you know, bringing water from one part of the world to the other that needs it. The amount of benefit that would bring is unfathomable. And it would mean absolutely zero extra spending. You know, the, the resources with our, our humans and the resources with communication technology and, um, and logistic capabilities, if, that, if, the, if the script could be flipped on how those resources were to be used, um, there is no doubt in my mind that in a short period of time, this world would be a much, much closer to our ideal state um, than we could imagine. You know, it's Yes, yes, absolutely. And I know you mentioned this before, but um, the technology that we have today, the resources that we have today is incredible. And today we have enough water, we have enough food, we have enough resources to feed all people in the world, to have water where there is not no water today, to make sure that everyone lives a good life, to make sure that there's free, high quality medicine, uh, free education for people. And today with the technology, it is possible. And we know that we have those resources. But unfortunately, today, uh, we don't see that. We still see that there's kids starving. We see, still see that there's uh, no uh, lack of uh, health care in certain parts of the world. Um, we still see that even today in the U.S., you, you said you talked about fear, um, how a lot of people live in fear because they're scared to lose their job. They're scared to lose their health insurance. They're scared that they're not going to have enough money to pay their bills. And that fear is uh, what we live in every day. We do not even look at tomorrow um, and enjoy life because we constantly are worried about the bills and how we live. So what would you um, what would you say we can do different? What can we change? What generates that fear, for example? How do why is it that maybe the media or what can we do differently so that people can actually have that peace of mind and to understand that yes, there is a way out today that if we unite in the one idea of building the creative society, we can actually build, we can actually live in this better future. And it is not, um, you know, it's not a fairy tale. It is a reality. It is something that all people want and we can only build this all together. So in your opinion, what can you uh, maybe say to those people that say it is not possible or it is not a reality or, you know, we cannot do it? Um, in a, as succinctly as I can say this and not wanting to start the revolution now, but 99.99% um, .99 of the 7.2 billion people on this planet can unite using the internet, using the global web. Um, we can, I mean, I began to tell you, in a peaceful way, why is it not conceivable that we could make some suggestions, if not, let's say some demands, <laughs> some, somewhat of an ultimatum, you know? 
to unite people in the right way. There's an enormous amount of uh, disparity in the control and the um, and the sheer numbers of people. And I believe that um, that when the realization comes that by cementing those values that you said came very consistently from millions of people that you you polled when the realization comes that there's nothing preventing those desires from being spoken as long as we have that practical solution of how to engage people in bringing value and it's that part of it i believe is not simple and difficult and to to change the um motives and the mechanisms by which financial growth is a requirement, you know, is an absolute, and capitalism, financial growth is a requirement to keep the lending ratios and money supply all working. It, it's large, but not insurmountable. Anyway, that's, that's a short answer. That's a very good answer. I actually absolutely agree with you that the best way to bring the change is to create the demand for a change and that's how it all starts and it's a super easy and joyful part when you just start conversation with another person or make a podcast like uh, what we do here and why do you think it's important for everyone to finally feel responsible right to stop thinking that someone else is going to make your life better just because you voted once every four years or whatever but why is it important to actually take personal responsibility and start uh start creating this demand personally um i think that answer is is um so many of us are engaged in life as we know it on a daily basis look we all have 168 hours a week you know we all have the same amount of time and um between our families and our work and our social activities as we exist um i believe that um as, as you said need there's no need right now uh, for the bulk of the populations um if we're not proactive i believe that um that need will become evident um if the workforce the population um continues to to dwindle more rapidly than we can redeploy and the redundant folks in the planet will run out of money and food um it will be a natural result So the, the key is, as you said, any change, any changes I've learned with a person, an individual, a group, organization, country, any change starts with one thing. And that is, you said it, a need. Um, and until that need is 
resoundingly clear and the solution possible uh, as a result of people's collective actions. Um, it, it just, it won't happen. Or to flip it, I don't like to speak in the negative. When, when that ideal state becomes a real possibility and the looming inevitability of this dystopia, um, when that becomes clear as quickly as possible, as early as possible, and there is a solution that people believe in, then it will happen. Thank you, yes. And I think from what we see, from all the people we interview, there's definitely already a need for a change. And the change we know needs to be done by peaceful means. Otherwise, we've already seen their revolutions, we've seen wars, and we see that they only bring death and destruction and sorrow, and they don't bring any good or any changes um, to help the people live a better life, let's say. And right now also, I would like to show uh, on the screen the eight foundations of the Creative Society. And uh, they were uh, made through interviews and social surveys that volunteers took for the past nine years with millions of people from all over the world. And uh, they actually represent the desires and wants of people worldwide. And um, Michael, I wanted to ask you, and uh, we see him on the screen right now, if we were to implement these foundations worldwide, if we were to live by these foundations, um, how would our life change? And do you think it's possible to do so in the near future? Yeah, I think how would our life change? I think that's that's what our discussion has been about. Yes. Um, how, how would our life change on a day-to-day -day basis? I would like to believe that across the world's population, those people who are not fulfilled and those people who are not yet fully engaged in um, spending some of their time in the day in, uh, in contributing. I believe those people would be, I believe the distribution of value would have to increase. Um, and um, how could that come about? Um, so far, I have not seen, so far I have not seen um, any other project i like that you call this a project not a movement or whatever because i believe that projects uh projects are implemented you know movements move projects have an implementation and um so um you know i i would be very happy to discuss some ideas that i have probably after this um actual interview but some real practical maybe a little bit um, unconventional ideas of how to get the attention of the 0.1% of the people in the world. Um, to give you a hint, I mean, what would it look like if every person on the planet, so right now banking and the credit industry uh, has a stake in the world's, um, has a stake in the world's wealth, that's 40% greater than it ever has been, normally around 12%, 40%. And, and it's just on lending money and you know all of us making payments. What would it look like? They couldn't repossess 
everybody's car or house to get their attention. <laughs> hey, everybody's going to stop paying all their mortgage payments, all their credit card payments and our taxes if we don't have a change in six months. Make it reasonable. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? It's radical, but I don't know of how you can upset the balance of power, though the balance of population is enormous until you start taking food off the people's table who aren't worried about they're losing their food. It's actually uh, uh, very interesting that you're talking about attracting attention of 1.0%. Uh, But what we're doing here and what I think is much better way to do it is to attract attention of those 99 and attract it from the positive perspective. The only thing we want to do is actually someone to implement those eight foundation into the constitution in absolutely legal way and give the right for every person to make a decision through the online platform. So actually create the platform where each person can register and then vote for the most important topics and have these eight pillars as the guidelines. So whatever makes our life better, we accept. Whatever doesn't, we reject, just easy as that. And then there is no power in the parliament or presidential offices anymore. And the power is distributed equally among all people. And this is so easy. This is such an easy concept that it's hard to process and actually realize it's real, but when you realize how easy it is just to create demand for it and only vote for the person whoever is ready to pass this bill then we see absolutely different society the only question and it's not a question that 99.9 agreed to support it it's how to deliver this message to the people right now and what do you think would be the best way to uh, to spread this word to spread the idea that there should be no power above people, but all people should be empowered and take personal responsibility for the life of the society. How do we deliver this message to people? How do we show this idea to people? What do you think? This, this goes along with, I mean, these days the word is, you know, how, how do things on the internet propagate exponentially and the term going viral. So um, that's the question is how, how is there a spark that's interesting, intriguing, believable, and um, uh, re resonates with people to the point where they get a, a very short current type of message over media um, that they could send on and propagate. And if there were a simple way a very, very simple way to maybe through blockchain, uh, which is, um, anyway, let me, a simple way to have people show their support and tally that and show the tally growing. You know, you there's already millions of people involved in, in or believing in this effort. If, if when people see others, uh, signing on with uh, a project or a philosophy or or just what they all agree is funny for goodness sakes or entertaining when you know momentum brings momentum and um, so my my thoughts are if if somehow um, messages could get out 
that would show a tally of, of support um, and show it growing, that would in and of itself um, propagate. So. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for being with us today. I'm sure we could chat all day, but our broadcast is coming to an end. And uh, we use the rule of six handshakes. We all know that we're, all of us are connected through five or less connections. And um, we have our guest on the program, pass the word to someone else, maybe a socially active person in the community or a friend or a colleague whom um, we can also have on our program. So Michael, who would you nominate? And can you please tell us why? Yeah, can I can I give you more than one? Absolutely. Okay, so of course I've already shared this with a number of people because I'm a believer in your your project. So uh, there's a gentleman named Jeff Stewart. Jeff, if you see this, uh, shout out to Jeff, Kristen Quinn, and uh, Josh Becker, our three friends that um, are big believers in. Um, the possibility of a of an ideal state coming soon in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being with us today. And to remind our viewers, if you would like to learn more about the project Creative Society, you can visit alatraunites.com. When sharing this broadcast, use two hashtags, hashtag Creative Society and hashtag Alatra Unites. And we would love to hear from you. If you have any ideas, questions, uh, please email us at info at alatraunites.com. And also I would like to make an announcement that on March 20th, there's gonna be a global conference called Creative Society, What the Prophets Dreamt Of. And where we will talk about uh, different studies. We will talk about um, research that we've conducted by interviewing different uh, professors, scientists, different religious leaders. And we're gonna see what did the prophets through the times dream about? What kind of society? And uh, we would draw a parallel with how we live today. So it is gonna be a global conference. It will be translated simultaneously to over 35 languages. And we encourage everyone to join as well. And today we would like to, right now, we will uh, end with a video for the conference. Unprecedented event of present Thank history. Thank you, my pleasure, Tally. Initiative well that comes from people around the world. Main project of humanity. People stopped being silent about urgent issues of our society. How it all started. May 2019, International Online Conference, Society, The Last Chance. 140 countries of the world. Hundreds of thousands of people online. Hundreds of broadcast platforms translated into seven languages simultaneously. If we all want to live in peace, why do we have a world of violence and destruction? It is up to us to build a different world. How can we do it? December 2020, Creative Society. United we can. 180 countries of the world, millions of people online, thousands of streaming platforms, 35 languages simultaneously translated. People have voiced today's reality and what they truly desire. And it is the Creative Society.
All cultures have an image of the ideal world people want to live in. A world that prophets talked about. The time has come when we can make it real. How will we use this chance? Let's meet March 20, 2021, 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time. International online event of global scale. Creative Society, what the prophets dreamed of. This is the day the world will unite to find out the truth. Join the entire humanity and spread the message.